Welcome to Timeless Tales, classic stories and poems for the young and the young at heart. I'm Miss Fiona, and over the course of six episodes, I'll share folk tales, fairy stories, classic poems, and short selections from timeless fantasy books. This podcast is a production of the Caldwell Public Library in Caldwell, Idaho. Episode 1, Folk Tales Featuring Birds. Have you heard some folk tales lately? These are stories that are told over and over with a little different wording all through long periods of time. The tales we're going to tell today all have a bird in them. Let's see what happens. The first one is the cat and the parrot. The second one is medio pollito or the half chick. And the third one may sound a little bit familiar, but it's got an interesting twist. It's called the rooster, the mouse, and the little red hen. And now, on with the timeless tales. The Cat and the Parrot, retold by Sarah Bryant. Once there was a cat and a parrot. They had agreed to ask each other to dinner, turn and turn about. First the cat should ask the parrot, then the parrot should invite the cat, and so on. It was the cat's turn first. Now the cat was very mean. He provided nothing at all for dinner, except a pint of milk, a little slice of fish, and a biscuit. The parrot was too polite to complain, but he didn't have a very good time. When it was his turn to invite the cat, he cooked a fine dinner. He had a roast of meat, a pot of tea, a basket of fruit, and best of all, he baked a whole clothes basket full of little cakes, little brown, crispy, spicy cakes. Oh, I should say as many as 500. And he put 498 of the cakes before the cat, keeping only two for himself. Well, the cat ate the roast and drank the tea and sucked the fruit and then began on the pile of cakes. He ate all the 498 cakes and then he looked around and said, I'm hungry. Haven't you got anything to eat? Why, said the parrot, here are my two cakes if, if you want them. The cat ate up the two cakes. Then he licked his chops and said, I'm beginning to get an appetite. Have you anything to eat? Well, really, said the parrot, who was now rather angry, I, I don't see anything more, unless you wish to eat me. He thought the cat would be ashamed when he heard that, but the cat just looked at him, licked his chops, and slip, slop, gobble. Down his throat went the parrot. Then the cat started down the street. An old woman was standing by. She had seen the whole thing, and she was shocked that the cat should eat his friend. Why, cat, she said, how dreadful of you to eat your friend the parrot. Parrot indeed, said the cat. What's a parrot to me? I've got a great mind to eat you too. And before you could say, Jack Robinson, slip, slap, gobble, down went the old woman. Then the cat started down the road again, walking happily because he felt so fine. Pretty soon he met a man driving a donkey. The man was beating the donkey to hurry him up. When he saw the cat, he said, Get out of my way, cat. I'm in a hurry. My donkey might tread on you. Donkey indeed, said the cat. Much I care for a donkey. I've eaten 500 cakes, 
I've eaten my friend the parrot. I've eaten an old woman. What's to hinder my eating a miserable man and donkey? And slip, slop, gobble, down went the old man and the donkey. Then the cat went on down the road, walking jauntily. After a little, he met a procession coming that way. The king was at the head, walking proudly with his newly married bride, and behind him were his soldiers, marching, and behind them ever and ever so many elephants, walking two by two. The king felt very kind to everybody because he had just been married, and he said to the cat, Get out of my way, pussycat. Out of my way. The elephants might hurt you. Hurt me? said the cat shaking his fat sides. Ho, ho, I've eaten 500 cakes. I've eaten my friend the parrot. I've eaten an old woman. I've eaten a man and a donkey. What's to hinder my eating a beggarly king? And slip, slop, gobble. Down went the king, down went the queen, down went the soldiers, and down went all the elephants. Then the cat went on more slowly for he really had enough to eat now. But a little further on, he met two land crabs scuttling along in the dust. Get out of our way, pussy, they squeaked. Ho, 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 cried the cat in a terrible voice. I've eaten 500 cakes. I've eaten my friend the parrot. I've eaten an old woman, a man with a donkey, a king, a queen, his men-at-arms and all his elephants. And now I'll eat you too. And slip, slop, gobble, down went the two land crabs. When the land crabs got down inside, they began to look around. It was very dark, but they could see the poor king sitting in a corner with a bride on his arm. She had fainted. Near them with the men at arms, treading on one another's toes, and the elephants still trying to form in twos, but they couldn't because there was no room. In the opposite corner sat an old woman. Near her sat the man and his donkey. But in the other corner was a great pile of cakes, and by them perched the parrot, his feathers all drooping. Let's get to work, said the land crabs, and snip, snap, they began to make a little hole in the side with their sharp claws. Snip, snap snip-snap, till it was big enough to get through. Then out they scuttled. Out walked the king, carrying his bride. Out marched the men-at-arms. Out tramped the elephants two by two. Out came the old man, beating his donkey. Out walked the old woman, scolding the cat. And last of all, out hopped the parrot, holding a cake in each claw. You remember, two cakes was all he wanted. But the poor cat had to spend the whole day sewing up the hole in his coat. Medio Pollito, The Half Chick, edited by Andrew Lang. There was once upon a time a handsome black Spanish hen who had a large brood of chickens. They were all fine, plump little birds, except the youngest, who was quite unlike his brothers and sisters. This one looked just as if he'd been cut in two. He had only one leg, one wing, one eye, half a head, and half a beak. His mother shook her head sadly as she looked at him and said, My youngest born is a half chick. He can never grow up 
a tall, handsome rooster like his brothers. They will go out in the world and rule over poultry yards of their own, but this poor little fellow will always have to stay home with his mother. She called him Medio Pollito, which is Spanish for half-chick. Now, though Medio Pollito was such an odd, helpless-looking little thing, his mother soon found that he was not at all willing to remain under her wing and protection. Indeed, in character, he was as unlike his brothers and sisters as he was in appearance. They were good, obedient chickens, and when the old hen called them, they chirped and ran back to her side. But Medio Pollito had a roving spirit in spite of his one leg. When his mother called him to return to the coop, he pretended he could not hear because he only had one ear. When she took the whole family out for a walk in the fields, Medio Pollito would hop away by himself and hide among the corn. Many an anxious moment his brothers and sisters had looking for him, while his mother ran to and fro, cackling in fear and dismay. As he grew older, he became more self-willed and disobedient. His manner to his mother was often rude and his temper to the other chickens disagreeable. One day, he had been out for a longer expedition than usual in the fields. On his return, he strutted up to his mother with a peculiar little hop and a kick, which was his way of walking. He cocked one eye at her. In a very bold way, he said, Mother, I am tired of this life in a dull farmyard with nothing but a dreary maize field to look at. I'm off to Madrid to see the king. To Madrid, medio pollito, exclaimed his mother. Why, you silly chick, it would be a long journey for a grown-up rooster. A poor little thing like you would be tired out before you had gone half the distance. No, no, stay at home with your mother, and some day when you're bigger, we'll go on a little journey together. But medio pollito had made up his mind he would not listen to his mother's advice, nor to the prayers and entreaties of his brothers and sisters. What is the use of our crowding each other in this pokey little place, he said. When I have a fine courtyard of my own at the king's palace, I shall perhaps ask some of you to come and pay me a short visit. And scarcely waiting to say goodbye to his family, away he stumped down the high road that led to Madrid. Be sure you're kind and civil to everyone you meet, called his mother, running after him. But he was in such a hurry to be off, he did not wait to answer her or even look back. A little later in the day, as he was taking a shortcut through the field, he passed a stream. Now the stream was choked and overgrown with weeds and water plants, and its waters could not flow freely. Oh, medio pollito, it cried as the half-chick hopped along its banks. Do come and help me by clearing away these weeds. Help you indeed, exclaimed medio pollito, tossing his head and shaking the few feathers in his tail. Do you think I have nothing to do but waste my time on such trifles? Help yourself and don't bother busy travelers. I am off to Madrid to see the king. And hoppity-kick, hoppity-kick, away stumped Medio Pollito. A little later, he came to a fire that had been left by some gypsies in a wood. It was burning very low and would soon be out. Ah, oh, Medio Pollito, cried the fire in a weak, wavering voice as the half-chick approached. In a few minutes, 
I shall go quite out unless you put some sticks and dry leaves upon me. Do help me, or I shall die. Help you indeed, answered Medio Pollito. I have other things to do. Gather sticks for yourself, and don't trouble me. I am off to Madrid to see the king. And hoppity-kick, hoppity-kick, away stumped Medio Pollito. The next morning, as he was nearing Madrid, he passed a large chestnut tree in whose branches the wind was caught and entangled. Oh, Medio Pollito, called the wind. Do hop up here and help me get free of these branches. I cannot come away and it is so uncomfortable. It's your own fault for going there, said Medio Pollito. I can't waste all my morning stopping here to help you. Just shake yourself off. Don't hinder me, for I am going to Madrid to see the king. And hoppity-kick, hoppity-kick, away stumped Medio Pollito in great glee, for the towers and roofs of Madrid were now in sight. When he entered the town, he saw before him a great splendid house with soldiers standing before the gates. This, he knew, must be the royal palace and he determined to hop up to the front gate and wait there until the king came out. But as he was hopping past one of the back windows, the king's cook saw him. Here's the very thing I want, he exclaimed, for the king has just sent a message that he must have chicken broth for his dinner. Opening the window, he stretched out his arm, caught medio pollito, and popped him in the broth pot, standing next to the fire. Oh, how wet and clammy the water felt as it went over Medio Pollito's head, making his feathers cling to his side. Water! What water? he cried in his despair. Do have pity upon me. Don't wet me like this. Ah, Medio Pollito, replied the water. You would not help me when I was a little stream away in the fields. Now you must be punished. Then the fire began to burn and scald Medio Pollito. He danced and hopped from one side of the pot to the other, trying to get away from the heat, crying out in pain, Oh, ow, fire, ow, fire, don't, don't scorch me like this. You can't think how it hurts. Ah, Medio Pollito, answered the fire. You would not answer, help me when I was dying away in the wood. You are being punished. At last, just when the pain was so great, Medio Pollito thought he must die. The cook lifted up the lid of the pot to see if the broth was ready for the king's dinner. Ah, <gasps> oh, look here, he cried in horror. This chicken is quite useless. It's burnt to a cinder. I can't send it up to the royal table. And opening the window, he threw Medio Pollito out into the street. But the wind caught him up and whirled him through the air so quickly. Medio Pollito could scarcely breathe. His heart beat against his side till he thought it would break. Oh, wind, he gasped. If you hurry me along like this, you're going <gasps> to kill me. Oh, do let me rest a minute or, ah. Oh. But he was so breathless, he couldn't even finish his sentence. Ah, medio poito, replied the wind. When I was caught in the branches of the chestnut tree, you would not help me. Now you are punished. He swirled medio poito over the roofs of the houses till they reached the highest church in town, and there he left him fastened to the top of the steeple. And there stands Medio Pollito to this day. If you go to Madrid, 
and walk through the streets till you come to the highest church. You will see Medio Pollito perched on his one leg on the steeple with his one wing drooping at his side, gazing sadly out of his one eye over the town. The rooster, the mouse, and the little red hen, retold by Felicité Lefebvre. Once upon a time, there was a hill, and on the hill there was a pretty little house. It had one little green door and four little windows with green shutters, and in it there lived a rooster, a mouse, and a little red hen. On another hill close by, there was another little house. It was very ugly. It had a door that wouldn't shut, two broken windows, and all the paint was off the shutters, and in this house there lived a bold, bad fox and four bad little foxes. One morning, these four bad little foxes came to the big bad fox and said, Oh, father, we're so hungry. We had nothing to eat yesterday, said one, and scarcely anything the day before, said another, and only half a chicken the day before that, said the third. And only two little ducks the day before that, said the fourth. The big bad fox shook his head for a long time, for he was thinking. At last he said in a big gruff voice, On the hill over there, I see a house. In that house, there lives a rooster. And a mouse, screamed two of the little foxes. And a little red hen, screamed the other two. They're nice and fat, went on the big bad fox this very day. I'll take my great sack, and I will go up that hill, and in at that door, and into my sack, I will put the rooster, and the mouse, and that little red hen. I'll make a fire to roast the rooster, said one little fox. I'll put the saucepan to boil the hen, said the second. I'll get the frying pan to fry the mouse, said the third. And I'll have the biggest helping when they're all cooked, said the fourth, who was the greediest of all. So the four little foxes jumped for joy, and the big bad fox went to get his sack ready to start upon his journey. But what was happening to the rooster, the mouse, and the little red hen all this time? Well, sad to say, the rooster and the mouse had both got out of bed on the wrong side that morning. The rooster said the day was too hot. The mouse grumbled because it was too cold. They came grumbling down to the kitchen where the good little red hen, looking bright as a sunbeam, was bustling about. Who'll get some sticks to light the fire with, she asked. I shan't, said the rooster. I shan't, said the mouse. Then I'll do it myself, said the little red hen. So she ran off to get the sticks. And now, who'll fill the kettle from the spring, she asked. I shan't, said the cock. I shan't, said the mouse. Then I'll do it myself, said the little red hen. And off she ran to fill the kettle. And who'll get the breakfast ready, she asked, as she put the kettle on to boil. I shan't, said the cock. I shan't, said the mouse. I'll do it myself, said the little red hen. All breakfast time, the rooster and the mouse quarreled and grumbled. The rooster upset the milk jug. The mouse scattered crumbs on the floor. Who'll clear away the breakfast? asked the poor little red hen, hoping they'd soon leave off being cross. I shan't, said the cock. I shan't, said the mouse. Then I'll do it myself, said the little red hen. So she cleared everything away 
swept up the crumbs, and brushed up the fireplace. And now, who will help me make the beds? I shan't, said the rooster. I shan't, said the, said the mouse. Then I'll do it myself, said the little red hen, and she tripped away upstairs. But the lazy rooster and mouse each sat down in a comfortable armchair by the fire and soon fell fast asleep. Now, the bad fox had crept up the hill and into the garden, and if the cock and the mouse hadn't been asleep, they would have seen his sharp eyes peeping in at the window. Rat-tat-tat, rat-tat-tat, fox knocked at the door. Who can that be? said the mouse, half opening his eyes. Go look for yourself if you want to know, said the rude rooster. It's the postman, perhaps, thought the mouse to himself. He might have a letter for me. So without waiting to see who it was, he lifted the latch and opened the door, and as soon as he opened it, in jumped the big fox with a cruel smile upon his face. Oh, 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 squeaked the mouse as he tried to run up the chimney. Cock-a-doodle-doo, screamed the rooster as he jumped on the back of the biggest armchair. But the fox only laughed, and without more ado, he took the little mouse by the tail and popped him in the sack, seized the rooster by the neck, and popped him in the sack, too. Then the poor little red hen came running downstairs to see what all the noise was about. The fox caught her and put her in the sack with all the others. He took a long piece of string out of his pocket, wound it round and round and round the mouth of the sack, and tied it very tight indeed. After that, he threw the sack over his back and set off down the hill. I wish I hadn't been so mean, said the rooster, and they went bumping along. I wish I hadn't been so lazy, said the mouse, wiping his eyes with the tip of his tail. It's never too late to mend, said the little red hen. Don't be too sad. See here, I have my little work bag, and in it there's a pair of scissors, and a very little thimble, and a needle, and a thread. Very soon you will see what I'm going to do. Now, the sun was very hot, and soon Mr. Fox began to feel that that sack was kind of heavy. At last, he thought he would lie down under a tree and go to sleep for a while. So, he threw the sack down with a big bump, and soon he fell fast asleep. (coughs) Went the fox. As soon as the little red hen heard this, she took out her scissors and began to snip a hole in the sack just large enough for the mouse to creep through. Quick, she whispered to the mouse, run as fast as you can and bring back a stone just as large as yourself. Out scampered the mouse and soon came back, dragging the stone after him. Push it in here, said the little red hen. He pushed it in in a twinkling. Then the little red hen snipped away at the hole till it was large enough for the rooster to get through. Quick, she said, Run, get a stone as big as yourself. Out flew the rooster and soon came back quite out of breath with a great big stone and he pushed it in the sack too. Then the little red hen popped out, got a stone as big as herself and pushed it in. Next, she put on her thimble, took out her needle and thread and sewed up the hole as quickly as ever she could. When it was done, the rooster, the mouse and the little red hen ran home very fast, shut the door after them, drew the bolts, shut the shutters, drew down the blinds and felt very safe. 
The bad fox lay fast asleep under the tree for some time, but at last he woke up. Oh, mm, dear, dear. Mm, rubbing his eyes, he said, looking at the long shadows on the grass. How late it is getting. I must hurry home. So the bad fox went grumbling and groaning down the hill till they came to the stream. Splash! In went one foot. Splash! In went the other. But the stones in the sack were so heavy that at the very next step, down tumbled Mr. Fox into a deep pool. And then the fishes carried him off to their fairy caves and kept him a prisoner there, so he was never seen again. And the four greedy little foxes had to go to bed without any supper. But the rooster and the mouse never grumbled again. They lit the fire, filled the kettle, laid the breakfast, did all the work, and the good little red hen had a holiday and sat resting in her big armchair. No foxes ever troubled them again, and for all I know, they're still living happily in the little house with the green door and the green shutters, which stands on the hill. Thank you for joining me today. If you enjoyed hearing these classic stories as a podcast, I encourage you to go online and visit Kids Listen, where you can find one or more nude podcasts you might like to try. I recommend a show called Circle Round, which also features stories for kids and is produced by WBUR Public Radio. Music for this program was from the Carnival of the Animals, composed by Camille Sanson, and performed by the Seattle Youth Symphony. The recording was made available through museopen.org, a provider of music free of copyright. If you enjoyed this podcast, please join me again next week for more Timeless Tales.